everybody. It's Tanya again with Recovering Church Girls, and I am so excited to have this conversation with Chris and Trevinia Barber of Priority VA. So first of all, um, hi, guys. Holy cow. Hello. So excited. Oh, this is going to be a fun conversation. I've been looking forward to this one for months, ever since that one like random off conversation of, what do you think about this idea? And you told me about a domain name that you own. So we'll get to that later, I'm sure. Um, but first, let me tell a little bit about, you know, kind of who you guys are, or more appropriately, have you tell me who you are. As the co-founders of Priority VA, you've created a business together, an entire work front together, and your husband and wife, you've got a family, you've just moved, you're in the middle of a kitchen renovation. Like, this is just all real-life stuff that happens and I think sometimes we tend to, especially on social media, we gloss over a lot of the day-to-day -day life. And we see it a lot, especially in the entrepreneur space. Yeah. So first of all, I just love for you guys to say, like, you know, who you are and how you came into this little conversation. Cool. You know, so I love the idea of recovering church girls because uh, Chris and I, I think, are really the epitome of all things anti-normal, right? <laughs> uh, I mean... Everything from how we met to, to how we live our lives to building a business together, everything seems sort of countercultural to all the things that you would expect. And uh, and so, yeah, so, I mean, short story, Chris and I have been married for I don't know. 17 years. I'm, <laughs> I'm the one who never knows, right? I'm always like, I think our anniversary is today. Um, but yeah, 17 years, we've been together for 20. And um yeah, we have like had a really crazy life story. We, uh, so we started this business about five and a half years ago and uh, worked together for about four years now. Mm -hmm. And that has been fucking insane. Um, I can only imagine. It's crazy. And I remember the first day I, I was telling Chris, like, quit, you know, he was working cushy, cool corporate marketing job, making like amazing <laughs> money and great benefits where you literally probably could have like died there. Easy, right? Easy inside and Mm. Too. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, and so I kept telling him, like, come join me, come join me. It'll be so much fun. We'll be able to work together. And then day one of him working with me, we we're sitting across from one another, or like side by side from one another. And I see Chris with his big giant headphones on, and I can hear his techno music playing, like the thumpa thumpa, and he's cracking sunflower seeds, like bopping his head, right? So just imagine that in your head, guys, as you're listening to this. And that is coming from a girl who, like, I work in silence, you guys. Like, silence. I have no music, no background noise. I'm not cracking sunflower seeds. But he literally was just drinking some water before we got on this. And I was like, can you shut up? Like, oh, loud. your gulping is loud. Um, and so we quickly learned that being in the same office together was going to prove very challenging for our marriage and our work together. So I love Chris. is like, uh-huh. <laughs> I really can't um, expand on that. She's really hitting it. Right <laughs> it's going to kill him, you guys. Uh, and so we, we work together, but separately, right? So we are, we're in separate offices now, but we are together 24-7. And that is hard. For mm -hmm. any married couple, and then you throw in, you know, four kids and two adoptions, and it gets a little bit crazy. We're we're a really interesting couple, I think. I'm always like, people should be our friends. We're really yeah. interesting. <laughs> I love that. Well, and clearly, I agree, because we're having this conversation, so... <laughs> That's perfect. Okay, so when I first told you about the idea of recovering church girls, I love your eyes just lit up and you're like, ooh, I'm so excited about this. Tell me why. Why did that idea resonate with you? 
Yeah. Cause in a lot of ways, I feel like I am a recovering church girl. Interestingly, I didn't grow up in, in the church. Um, my grandmother was a Christian and, and I always sort of felt like God was pursuing me for mm-hmm. sure. I probably have like 32 Bibles and all sorts of different colors and versions and, you know, the teen Bible, the woman's Bible, the mom's Bible, that I have all these <laughs> things, uh, because I kept feeling like maybe this one's going to make sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and while I didn't grow up in church, you know, my family were kind of the CEOs, depending on how guilty they felt that year we went or didn't go on Christmas or Easter. And occasionally I would go do something with my grandmother who was a really strong Christian. And, uh, and so when I got into the church as an adult, I got, I really, the only reason I was like, we got to find a church, babe, is because I was pregnant and we were married already, but I was pregnant. And I just kept, remember telling Chris, I don't want my kid to grow up as confused as I was. Mm. I was just confused. And so I just felt like I wanted to give our child a foundation and then he or she could kind of choose whatever path they wanted to go on. But I wanted to give them something instead of just being like, fly little birdie whatever you want. Uh, and so, but church was hard for me. I just always felt like, and I still, to this day, I think kind of feel like I don't fit in. Um, I'm, I'm a Christian that cusses. I, you know, it's a sin. Yes, I know. Uh, but I feel like I don't fit into the Christian space because I'm an entrepreneur and I like to make money and I'm highly motivated by money. But then I feel like I don't fit into the entrepreneur space because I'm like, I need to pray about it. Or, you know, I tell my team, like, Jesus told me to give some random person a thousand dollars. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so I, I just feel like I don't fit. And so the idea of recovering church girls in my mind, like the picture I painted was, oh my gosh, it's a space for people like me mm-hmm. <laughs> where yeah. I don't have to feel like I have to fit a mold or I have to feel like I have to be someone I'm not. And I can just come as I am. Like people say, you're supposed to come to Jesus. I was just going to say, wasn't that the whole message in the first Uh place was come as you are. And somewhere along the line, that got really out of whack. I think it got out of whack by us, right? We started projecting our own needs and desires onto what we wanted the church to look like. And then it's turned into this like little groupy club click. Thing. Yeah, I was gonna say you've got all the clicks and all yeah. that type of thing, and and I just didn't fit into that, and uh, and so yeah, the idea of that space, I was like, oh, sign me up. What do I need to do? Where do I get my money? Like, I tell me what to do, and I'll do it, kind of thing. So yeah, what did I love you? It. Chris, yeah, what I was gonna say, think? what about you, Chris? Yeah, you were excited about it too. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, as I did grow up in the church, um, I was familiar with it. My dad was, you know, the head usher for the longest time uh, as a kid, so I definitely had that foundation. Uh, mm-hmm. Growing into it, but coming into a relationship with Trevinia, um, I definitely rebelled and went down my own path. And thought Not I because of me. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Thank you for adding that piece. Um, but uh, we were able to to bring it back, you know, with our children and kind of reform that foundation for us as a whole. But uh, even still, I just really had the, the most difficult time with the hypocrisy of it all. Mm. Do what I say, not not as I do. Um, don't look what I'm doing over here, all the moral failures, all that, just all the messiness that um, nobody really makes space for in the church because we are all so flawed. And just to be able to um, just admit that openly and just say, hey, this is how we all are and it's the truth. And, and so that's really exciting for me to to be able to have that conversation. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that idea of this kind of a journey. I mean, it sounds so cliche. And at the same time, I can't think of a better metaphor. The idea that we all get to walk our individual journeys. And a lot of times we get to, you know, kind of cross paths with each other or walk in the same direction for a while. And that's so refreshing to be able to share that it doesn't have to be the individualized solo type of, you know, adventure. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And to be able yeah. to have that space. Yeah, it, it's just it's just fun. I mean, I think that <laughs> doing doing life with, especially you know, obviously Chris and I, we work together, we live together, we parent together, you know, all these things, and and even just bringing the idea of church and leadership and spirituality into it all has been it's it's not without challenge. I still like gripe on him all the time. I was like, you need to lead, and you know, uh, I flip out still. Because uh, I think that I can look at that traditional, like father role, husband role, whatever that the church says that he's mm-hmm. supposed to be leading, and see like shortcomings there. And then, bam, he can look at me. I am not the traditional wife at all. <laughs> about, like the most opposite of a traditional wife. And so, we can kind of fall into this trap where we we say we don't want that, but then we can sort of be not bullied, but guilted maybe into feeling like we need that. Right. Okay. So let's, let's take that a little bit deeper. Cause I find that so interesting. I think the idea of the very heavily handed patriarchal influence within organized religion, and that's across the board, you know, yeah. most, pretty much most any organized religion that I'm aware of is all very patriarchal in structure. When you break that down into the everyday family life, that has a lot of impact. Whether we realize it implicitly or explicitly, it really filters down into every little piece. How has that shown up for you guys? And how does that work with your spirituality versus your beliefs? Because sometimes Mm. they're the same and sometimes they're not. So what does that look like for you guys? Uh, It's a constant challenge. There's a tension there like all the time. This tension of what role am I going to step into? How do I need to challenge myself? How is God challenging me? How is my wife asking me to cover her? Um, so it's just this this tightrope dance of how am I going to play this out? What is it that I need to address inside myself personally? What is it that I need to call out in my children and my wife? And so it's just this um, constant awareness of how am I going to show up in this space and what's it going to look like for me? Well, you know what I think too, mm. is that I think the the challenge or one of the, yeah, one of the challenges I think that Chris and I have specifically is that within our business organization, I'm the boss, right. mm. I'm the CEO and I'm, I'm the one who's like, I cast the vision. I say where we're going to go. I dictate orders. And then at home, it's like, oh, I'm a little, you know, servantly wife and what, and that just doesn't ever really transition well. We actually had to make some very drastic changes in our life. One of the reasons why we moved, I, I mean, not specifically to Georgia, but w- moved in general was that we needed to have separation from work and, and um, mm-hmm. our home life mm-hmm. because I was being CEO in all the things. Right? Yeah. And there it's was- It's hard to turn CEO off. It, it it's was very really hard, hard to turn that so off. now- we're really lucky in that we get to, we work at a separate, we have like a kind of cottagey kind of guest house type thing. And so I work here. And then when we kind of leave this office house and walk the hundred yards to our like main home, it's kind of like this little transition happens. Chris and I hold hands on the walk home, you know, and it, 
something switches there that allows me to step out of CEO and into like wife and mom mode. Mm -hmm. But that was really, really hard for us because I bucked against any sort of system that said I had to be this like little wife that, you know, had dinner ready by the time my husband got home and all that. I was like, why? Like, no, I don't. Uh, So yeah, I made it really challenging. That's kind of interesting that you brought it up in that, in that context, because while you do enjoy being the CEO of the business, you, you almost want me to step into that leadership role in at home home life. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's something that by design, we've had to be really intentional about. Yeah. Yeah, About creating space for you to actually lead. Right. Because Mm -hmm. sometimes I, I sabotage what I say I want. I can identify with that in so many ways. I can't even tell you. Uh, Yeah, I think that that makes so much sense. And especially in the way that I came to know both of you was in the role of personal and professional development and being the same, you know, so many different overlapping circles. We are all in pursuit of sharpening our saw, so to speak, and, you know, collecting our tools and making sure that we are the most effective and efficient leaders that we can be. And in that space, I think there is almost this inclination to become addicted to self-development and Mm. addicted to growth. And then at that point, when you think about the belief system, then the question comes into play is, you know, where are we supposed to be content versus where is the desire to grow? Mm. And is that coming from a place of lack because we're actually fearful? Or is it coming from a place of this is my ambition, this is my God-given dream to go out and do this, and here's all the tools that I need? Yeah. What are your thoughts and opinions on all that? Get you want me to say that? Uh, <laughs> By the way, you guys can't see the looks, but watching Chris and Trevenia look between each other in that conversation, you could tell they're going like, nope, you're taking this one. Nope, you're taking it. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. It actually reminds me, uh, Chris and I, interestingly, we just joined probably three or four weeks ago, a marriage small group at a new church that we're attending. And we're still trying to decide, like, are we all in? Like, are these people going to be able to handle me uh, or not? But last night at the small group, I said, just in relation to life and, and our relationship with Jesus and all of that, I was like, you know, sometimes it's like, are we talking or are we doing? Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, likewise, just with this whole pursuit of personal development, uh, and I think we can relate this to our walk with Christ or in our business and professional lives as well, like we can be working at obtaining so much knowledge all the time. I don't know how many masterminds I wasted so much money signing up for, how many courses or events or all these things that I went to. And I have obtained a shit ton of knowledge. Mm -hmm. But when it came down to actually implementing what I had learned, I I feel like I started to fall short. And so we kind of put a moratorium on like, no more signing up for crap. Like we're going to implement all the knowledge that we already have that we've paid for all over all these years. And we're just going to do, you know, and I think the same thing is true with our walks as well. Like we can be reading our Bible and checking the box that you like read the Bible study, you tithed, you did all the things you even, Oh, maybe volunteered for kids ministry. Right. But like, how much are we actually putting our faith into practice, stepping out when we're supposed to step out, maybe chasing that dream because you know, it's what God has put inside of you. Right. And so I feel like we can get so confused by talking and doing and just, checking the boxes instead of actually, uh, you know, I don't know, going out there and, and going full bore into what you're created to do. 
Yeah. And actually living it out yeah. as opposed to just talking about it. It's so funny that you mentioned the moratorium. I've done the same. And I know a couple of other people that have as well. And I've even gone so far. I'm like, I'm just going to take a bit of a hiatus. Like yeah. I, I've pared down my client list. I am t- I went off social media for the month of December. Like just the, a few different things where I'm like, I just need to pull back and go deep. And then I'll look at 2019 when it comes. <laughs> I'm just like, I mean, I think let's just, just do that. <laughs> I think it's healthy for us to do that. One one year is probably like two years ago now, but there was an entire quarter that for Priority VA, we didn't take any new clients because we were like, we're we're going to get our systems in such lockstep that like I don't want anybody throwing us off. I don't want to be mm. like swayed by the shininess of, ooh, that client wants to work with me or whatever. And I was like, I don't want that. And so we just shut it all down. We created wait pages and all that stuff. And and that was one of the best decisions we made for our business uh, was doing that. And I think similarly, we got to do that with our personal lives too. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to like shut down all the noise, get yeah. off of Instagram and stop scrolling and like maybe dive into your Bible if that's what you're going to do or, you know, focus on like creating a little bit of, Um, time for you and whoever your higher power is, you know, and how you relate to them. And maybe it means more quiet time or more walks in nature, whatever it is. But I think that's important to just stop, stop talking about all the things we should be doing. Yeah. You really need to make space for the why is why Mm -hmm. am I behaving this way? Why am I doing this activity? What is the purpose for all this stuff? And you can't do that if you're constantly distracting yourself. Well, and I have to tell you, I hate when you do that to me. He asks me all the time, but why? And I'm like, (laughs) like, because I want to, you know, and he's like, but why? You know, he's always like asking me all the time. Why? But it's such a good question that we, I think, because if we really get down to the why we are doing or not doing something, Mm -hmm. it's typically fear, like 99.9% of the time, it's just because we're afraid, right? Which then means we don't really have faith anyway, which I mean, this whole thing becomes full circle. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I love, it's so interesting to me knowing that you didn't grow up in the church and the idea of, you know, so much of it comes back down to fear. Mm -hmm. When I look at a lot of the kind of the takeaways from the messaging in organized religion, a lot of the teaching becomes very fear-based and it's almost like a subversive, subliminal type of a thing of we want to control your behavior because we want to make sure that you don't go into X, Y, or Z. But it still is very fear driven. And I'm curious, I know you're coming at it from, or at least I'm assuming you're coming at it from the idea of the entrepreneurship of, you know, we want to take a big risk, but we are not ready yet. So we're going to hold back. Chris, specifically, I'd love to hear your thoughts because you did grow up in the church about how that translates for you with the idea of, you know, kind of this undercurrent being, I'd say, recognizing the fear-based thinking and being able to identify it and then kind of flip the switch. What does that look like for you having that background? Um, it really looks like dependency on my relationship with my wife, honestly, because mm. I get so sucked into and trapped by that fear space that um, oftentimes I don't even realize it. And I'll be operating in this mode. And oftentimes it will take uh, a hard conversation with my wife in order to snap me out of that. Um, growing That's up such a in- gift that you have in that, by the way. Oh, yeah, That's no really, I mean, yeah, I was gonna say, I'm sure that there's moments where it doesn't feel like a gift, but being yeah. on the outside looking in, I'm like, oh, that's just beautiful. I really appreciate that for you guys. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it's taken me a while to really identify that, that process that we go through where I get stuck in some of this, uh, this fear space, whether it's uh, leading in our family for our company or 
whatever it might be that um, is just causing me to get stuck that um, having this awesome wife that is able to call me out of that stuff, kind of get my attention and redirect me in a way that's going to just benefit our family as a whole has been uh, just an incredible process, but very messy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes that's not right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or punch him in the face. I tell him all the time, I just want to punch you in the face, <laughs> but I don't do yeah. it. I, didn't <laughs> I, I that's one way to get attention. Time. Yeah, I saw a meme one time that said, it's the fear of prison food that stops me. I'm like, <laughs> That's there it. you go. That's, That's awesome. <laughs> now you have four children and you mentioned the idea of uh, having two adoptions in the process as well to become your family of six with the four no, kids. No, 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 no. Oh That's God, no. Wait a second I, though. I think I got yeah. that wrong, right? You just have four total. Four, four total. total. Okay. Two of them were adopted. Yeah, I can't okay. do anymore. So no, um, sorry. I was including you guys in the, in the family. Oh, count. thank you. I was like, God, no, stop it. <laughs> Love it. Total, well, talk talk about fear thinking, like the look, the size of your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I can't do anymore. Stop it. Oh my gosh. Trust me. I'm good with my two. Thank you very much. So yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> so what, what is it like for you guys with this idea of your spirituality and your faith as a family? And you mentioned something that I so appreciate earlier, the idea of wanting to to create a foundation for your kids, but at the same time, give them a lot of freedom and, you know, a lot of space to kind of figure things out on your own. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, it it looks like us not forcing our kids to go to youth group when they don't want to go. (laughs) I mean, I think it looks like our daughter, our oldest daughter, she goes to a different church than we do because she doesn't really engage with the one that we resonate with and the ones our younger girls enjoy. Uh, It looks like us creating a space for them to have an ask hard conversation, have, no. Yeah, have really tough conversations. Tough tough conversations, yeah. Mm -hmm. We talk about things that I would assume the majority of families do not talk about with their kids. Mm. I mean, really hard conversations. my brother is a murderer. He is in prison for murder. They have been to prison. You know, they have, they understand he is going to get the death penalty. Like those are hard, hard things that we have talked to our kids about. And, you know, my kids knew what a penis and a vagina were when they were like two, you know? And, uh, and so we have, we just really parent very weird, very different. And when it comes to faith, I think it's, honestly, for the most part, it's Chris asking these open-ended questions. He's really, really good at asking questions and just like being patient enough to let our kids answer. And I always have to like temper myself because I always want to like give them an idea, like a lunch pad to go off of. Right. (laughs) And he's just calm enough to like, let them come up with it on their own. But it's, it's typically just a lot of open-ended conversations. That's great. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you'd mentioned the very first thing of if they don't want to go, I don't make them. Mm-hmm. I was one of the families that we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, it was just mm-hmm. if the doors are open, we're there kind of yeah. a thing. Uh, so just having even that amount of freedom and flexibility is is always a good thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I do want to mention, though, because I think this is equally important, whether you have a faith sort of foundation or not, we do force upon our kids service like and giving mm-hmm. back and uh, recognizing that there are people way less fortunate than them and, uh, and understanding. We just did like a Christmas thing where, you know, the kids picked a couple of kids that from, you know, kind of giving tree type thing. 
And, and they got to see that some other kids, no, they just really want crew socks for Christmas. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't want an iPad. They want some crew socks. And so we try to do that. And I don't think that has to have a faith component to it at all. Agreed wholeheartedly. We are very, very adamant that they will, they will grow up knowing how freaking blessed they are and that they will be willing to give the shirts off their back to somebody. So that's, that's something that's foundational, I think for us. I love that. And I love the idea of kind of the universal approach of that, because I think at one point in time, that probably was very faith-based and it was part of the the personality, if you will, uh, of what was expected of the church and churchgoers. And somewhere along the way, even that has kind of fallen off. So to be able to create a, a generation, to create an expectation within your family that, no, you know, we're the people who are going to be the beacon regardless of what that looks like, but to be able to be in a place of service, even, you know, whether you've got a lot to give or you don't, there's always someone that you can help in some capacity in some way, shape or form. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I just, I thought of another example, just because today I I reposted something on Facebook from like four years ago, that it was the finalization of one of our daughter's adoptions. And I remember that day there was a homosexual couple that was adopting a couple of kids. And we had our whole family there to celebrate the adoption, right? And you could just tell some of our family was like dying inside because here's this gay couple that's like adopting these kids and oh my gosh, that's a sin, right? What's going to happen to the children? Exactly. That kind of thing, uh-huh. yeah. And we were just, it was hilarious because we were just like- They're missing the point. Yeah. Mm. And, and we thought, and I've written some- some great Facebook rants about this of like, all right, you have a problem with, you know, homosexuals adopting children, like come on church, step up. Right. Cause at least at the point at the time we lived in Denver and there were, you know, 1300 churches just in Denver and 800 kids waiting for adoption. Mm. Like do the math. Like, yeah. okay. You know, church. Yeah. And we went to multiple uh, trainings for the whole foster adoption process. And majority of the time there were homosexual couples outnumbering everybody else. Like they're doing something. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So we tend, we tend to buck the system and we kind of have those kinds of kinds of conversations with our kids and stuff about that stuff too. You know, if, if the church has such a problem with them, they could step up. So, yep. Well, see, this is why I like you guys. The fact that you do buck the system. This is, you're my kind of people. <laughs> but I do love Jesus. Like, it's always so hard because I, I feel like I get kicked out. I'm like excommunicated from churches, right? Because I, I'm so mouthy and I have such strong opinions about these things. But no, I think that's so important, though. I think that the idea of coming from a place of love, like just true, unadulterated love for humanity that I feel like is the the biggest piece that breaks my heart about the church itself, because somewhere along the way, it's gotten so caught up and even political to the point of really separating from the love of Christ that we're supposed to be showing. And that's the part that I just, I can't reconcile. And it just, yeah. <laughs> so I love the fact that, that that's something that is a piece of, you know, kind of who you are and bucking the system to the point of, living the true message. Like that's kind of the whole idea. Yeah. I think, I think we all, you know, you've heard that term, like having cafeteria God and all that, you know, and and I think I've been guilty of it too. Like I fall in line with that verse, but not that one. And, you know, for sure. But I think biggest picture uh, for us and for our children, what we can do is, is we can say that as best as we can interpret what God's word says we have to try and live it out as best as we can. And for us, that looks like loving all the things and all the people 
even if, you know, our pastor said it the other day, like, even if they sin differently than you, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Because uh, I, if I had somebody like holding up my biggest sins, um, oh gosh, we'd be in big, big trouble. Right? <laughs> I think we all would. I think mm-hmm. we all would. So what would you guys say is kind of your, um, your most fulfilling piece as individuals and then also as a couple as it relates to your faith and spirituality together, you know, being able to navigate everything that you have and creating the foundation that you have, creating the business that you have, where do you find the most peace and celebration in that process? Oh, that's such a good question. You should make sure you ask everybody that. Um, the peace. You know what, like, this is a stretch for me, and it kind of feels like the social media highlight, right, that, like, what I should say, but when I embrace it, this is absolutely true, is knowing that, like, no matter what, it always works out, like, it Mm -hmm. always works out, and when I can set in that, and I can just be like, no, like, God's got this, or, like, uh, my faith is strong enough to believe that no matter what, we're going to survive, I feel like I am more confident, I am, I think I boldly show up as I am, you know, uh, there's, there's this stupid thing that's happening right now we have like a white exchange white elephant gift mm-hmm. exchange thing coming up for our church and i want to bring this massively inappropriate gift oh, uh, i don't know i commented on that yeah <laughs> I, I posted on facebook you guys and like always crowdsource and just see what your peers think about stuff it's so funny but and all of like the good christians right we're commenting like it's too soon and like that might be offensive and like don't want to stir the apple cart and i'm like if they can't handle me at day three like what the hell is going to happen at day 300, right? Like either they're going to get me in and, and appreciate the freaking hilarity that I bring to the group or not. <laughs> right. And so, uh, I, I don't know if I can, but that, when I posted that, I was just walking in the piece that I was like, God's going to put me in the right group. And if that's not the right group for me, then I'll get out and find another one. Right. So, uh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm more bold and more confident when I walk in that. What about you? Um, the thing that really brings peace for me, this is, is, probably I would say some of the rituals that I go through. Mm-hmm. We uh, attended a church for a while in Denver that was very much uh, ritual-based. I mean, you would you would recite certain words. Liturgical, have, babe. That, that's the <laughs> word. That's, that's what I was missing? That's the Jesus okay, word. Okay, thank you. Um, so, th- so that was the process. And so anytime that I was really intentional, showing up in that context, in that way, going through some of those processes repeatedly, it caused me to get into that reflective state where I felt like I could really just get in that zone in that peaceful state that you're talking about. So mm-hmm. having the, some of those rituals to fall back on was, was definitely part of the process for me. I love that. And I love the idea that that, that might work for you and it might not work for Tervinia. And it just that idea of it doesn't have to be one size fits all, because I think that somewhere along the way, that message came across loud and clear. If you don't fit into our box, into our definition of what a good Christian is supposed to be, or especially a good Christian wife, what that's supposed to look like, then you don't belong, or we're going to require you to conform to what we think is appropriate, regardless of how God actually made you to be mm-hmm. that that's one of those things where I'm like oh, I love that there's just room to be who we are and to pick and and not so much pick and choose what we believe although 
I think to a certain extent, we do have to have a conscious conversation with ourselves of, yes, this is what I believe and this is what I'm going to stand on. But I think also to be able to play with the different modalities of what that looks like. You know, if if the liturgical piece is what works for you and having that ritual and having that grounding experience, then that's something that you can anchor into. And if it doesn't, you don't have to. I love that kind of flexibility that I think the modern day, you know, faith-filled people tend to be a bit more open about now. Well, that's what I think like the millennial church is like amazing in that they are very much like, we're going to wear our little hipster clothes and we're going to do, you know, whatever. And, but it's more about making a bigger impact, which that resonates with me so, so much. Mm-hmm. Not to say that I don't need to challenge my own belief systems on a whole bunch of other things, whether it's, you know, gay marriage or abortion or all these other things that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Um, but just having this like place for me where I can have really, really hard conversations. For instance, my in-laws, I hope they listen to this one day. <laughs> It'll just be funny. But, but like they voted for Donald Trump, right? I don't understand that. Like it doesn't make sense to me. I can't justify like you're a Christian and you believe this, but yet you're endorsing this person. Um and continue to kind of defend his behavior all the time. And it just, but, and so I'll tell Chris, like something will happen in the news. I'm like, you got to text your dad. Like, <laughs> I got to see what he's going to say about this crap. Right. But, but being able to have these discussions where my views are, are challenged as well, but where I feel like it's okay for me mm-hmm. to challenge someone else's and to be like, okay, this is what you believe in. Break it down and explain to me why, like mm-hmm. sell me on it because I, if I'm missing something, I want to be open to that. And that's what I think makes Chris and I such a dynamic couple is that we're not the kind of people that are like, we don't, I don't really talk to my husband about that. Like that's an mm. off topic. Uh, off, off <laughs> topic. Uh, I just talk to my girlfriends about that. Or I just talk to my bros about that. Like we don't do that. We engage and in, in battle sometimes, sure. uh, you know, cause he's super libertarian and I'm mm-hmm. like, not, Um, and so we have all these weird conversations and, and faith is a big part of that. And we, we fight each other on even our belief systems all the time. I appreciate that. The idea of, again, that space and the freedom to be able to say, okay, if this is what you believe, then talk me through it. And to be Mm -hmm. able to have, I think that commitment of regardless of where you end on the conversation, you know, that you are still together, you're still a unit. And there's something in that safety that allows for the conversation to to kind of grow and to unfold and it can shift and that's something i find even in doing this podcast i have a dear friend who called me out of the blue we haven't talked for years and he's like okay so i listened to the podcast and i want to know where you are and i was like all right i knew it was coming at some point right like somebody was going to call me and uh and sure enough he did and it was one of those conversations where i was able to say you know you're going to hear me say different things there, there's a freedom in this, this whole process. And that's incredibly important to me because I don't feel like the freedom was something I would, could ever experience in my life as a child and as a young adult. So that has become a cornerstone of my belief system that I can, you know, be in this moment and be in this conversation and say, I can agree with you up to a certain extent. And then here's where I disagree and Mm -hmm. that that's okay. So to be able to find the places where we meet and build on those as opposed to just coming in it from, you know, the right or the left and and anchoring into that. And I think that that's the kind of conversation we need to have in society on so many different levels, politics and lots of other things as well. Yeah. 
So I love that. That's funny. It reminds me a lot of our business. And when I'm interviewing a client, when they want to hire a virtual assistant, I talk to them often about what are their non-negotiables? Like what are the things that they will not bend on no matter what? Right. And I think we all have that, whether it's with our faith, our politics, our spirituality, whatever that stuff is, we have those things that kind of pretty much no matter what, you're not going to bend. And you were like standing in cement, but for the rest of the things, you know, like we can talk about it. Maybe it depends or in my business, I'll train the person on that, but they have to have, you know, this characteristic or whatever. And, and I think that when it comes to our faith, again, I know it sounds so weird with the cafeteria Jesus or whatever, but, but I believe that when I go through a cafeteria, if you've ever been to like Golden Corral, this is not a plug for them because it's kind of terrible food, but (laughs) you go to Golden Corral you go through and like, I go straight for the, the gooey brownie thing first. Cause that's like my favorite part. Right. And then maybe I come back around and I like get a salad and maybe this time I put radishes on my salad, but next time I come through, I put more cucumbers. Right. And I feel like the same thing is true with our faith. If we keep digging in, if you keep going around that little thing, right, you are going to find something that hits you very, very different mm-hmm. that maybe was completely irrelevant. And you absolutely disagreed with in your twenties, but now it like makes so much sense in your forties. Right. And that's why I think that it, like the recovering church girl thing, I don't believe that it means for you. And if it does, I, I'm sorry to step on your toes, but I don't think it means that you're just like, screw God, screw religion, screw faith, whatever. It's just, I'm going to like, look at this from a different angle. Cause I'm coming around that buffet for like the 7,000th time. And I've seen a lot and I've learned a lot and I've seen some of the stuff that doesn't fit my ideology right now and stuff that maybe you still need to learn and, and lean into. Right. So I don't know. I just, love this podcast. (laughs) No, and I love that metaphor. And I think one of the things that I had seen in so many people that I know, so many people that I know that have chosen to leave the church and leave organized religion is they've done so from a place of hurt, which I completely understand, especially some of the conversations I've had on the podcast and those that have messaged me privately because they're not ready to share it yet. Mm -hmm. There's been so much hurt and abuse, physical abuse, spiritual abuse, sexual abuse, the the thing that I find that I'm not willing, this is my non-negotiable, I'm not willing to stay in a place of pain. And as much as I can, I want to bring as many people with me to come out of that place of pain and to really, you know, unpack the things that we need to unpack, let them settle in wherever they need to. But now where do we go from here? How can we grow? How can we expand? How can we anchor in, but then also be of service to a bigger picture? So I love that metaphor because I, I think that that definitely resonates. And it's, it's something that, you know, I feel um, there's a responsibility to those of us that, you know, because I was in leadership for ages in the ministry mm-hmm. and, and in church. And there's things that I have said that now I look back and I go, I can't believe I said that. Yeah. And I mean, just the, the shame, the guilt, the responsibility for parroting what someone else said that I was supposed to think or believe. And, you know, once you get a chance to actually evaluate it for yourself, realize, yeah, no, that's not it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I would obviously encourage you to like, don't hold shame for that. I mean, it's just like the same things that we, you know, I thought about my parents when I was 15 is very different than how I think about that exact same situation now that I'm a parent. Mm. Right. And so (laughs) that whole notion of once we, once we rise and we learn better or we do better and we, we come across different forms of people that teach us new things in our life. Right. And that's our goal. I think in our marriage with one another and with 
our clients and our families and all the people we come across is like, if I can just teach somebody like one thing, and if it happens to end up leading somebody to have a relationship with Christ, which I believe is really important, then awesome. Like that's really cool. But my main goal doesn't need to be shoving Jesus down somebody's throat. For me, it needs to be them going, she's a little weird. She's a little weird. And what makes her a little bit weird? Because her life is not perfect, but she doesn't even act like it is, right? And because I think a lot of us are sold on the fact that like we accept Jesus and all of a sudden it's like rainbows and unicorns and then shit really hits the fan once you do that and you're kind of thrown for a loop. Mm -hmm. And the church is really good at getting people to admit, believe, and commit. They're really good at that. And then they fall freaking flat on their face when it comes to actually shepherding people through to a real authentic relationship, right? And so yeah. that's what we kind of want to be like the, the backup. Fine, the church can do their ABC crap. Like I want to be there to catch people when, when it's really. When they're on their fourth lap through the cafeteria. Exactly. They've right. actually, they've, they've gotten, they've gotten stuff to, to the point where they're feeling a little bit nauseous and then they're coming back around. <laughs> okay, now I really know what I need to get. Yeah. yeah. And we can help out in that process. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea that there's a sense of community I hear in what you're talking about, because it it really is more this idea of, you know, doing life together. It's an intentional way of approaching everyday life. And it's not, it's not the social media highlights. It's not the, you know, Snapchat filters and the Instagram, you know, like all of the things that we do just in humanity right now to try to look like we've got our shit together you just drop all the pretenses and be like, nope, this is where I am. And that's okay. And that's why you bring ball wash to a white elephant party. You guys look up ballwash.com. You'll just die. That's so funny. I, I have to know how that all goes down. Like you, you're going to have to live stream it, like just to see people's reactions. I really hysterical. want to do it, but I think that might be some taboo thing. I don't know. I got to figure out how much I'm going to push the envelope. Yeah. This, this is something you're going to have to keep us posted on. Really? <laughs> Well, you guys, this has been such a great conversation. I'm grateful for you taking some time out in the midst of all of the craziness and busyness that is your lives uh, and being able to share this with us. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So for you guys who are listening, be sure to uh, jump in on the next episode. And like we say, you know, the, the likes and reviews are great and we appreciate them, but really it's about the conversation. Share this with someone if it's resonated with you and share your story, share your conversation, and let's uh, continue this journey together. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.